Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Adrian Tan Show. And today we will be continuing our conversation on AI. And with me to share more about this today is Jibu Matthew. He is the Vice President and GM Asia Pacific of Zoho Corp, where he primarily focuses on setting strategies and vision for regional growth. And this year actually marks his 23rd year with Zoho and it'll be interesting to also learn a bit about that because yeah, Zoho literally has been his first job the way I look at it. Now, for those of you who may find Jibu familiar because he has appeared on podcasts on the likes of Money FM as well as have written on Business Times alongside many other leading publications. A family man himself, he enjoys playing soccer and badminton with his kids. I do that too, and although I hate losing to them, but still, I have to go through that motion. Well, with that, Jibu, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Adrian. You're most welcome. I'd like to start off by getting to do an introduction for a character called Zia. Am I pronouncing it correctly, Zia? Yes, you're pronouncing it right. Yeah, who is Zia? Well, yeah, that's an interesting way to start this conversation. And, well, we have heard about AI quite a bit, not just for a few years, but maybe five, ten years now. So AI has been already playing a role in our lives for quite some time, whether we know it or not. And Zoho as an organization is a business software. We provide business software for businesses, basically. And Zia is the AI agent in various Zoho's products and it's actually something like every single product of Zoho has Zia in it and Zia is that AI agent that makes using Zoho products so much more interesting. Well, it doesn't have a full form exactly but it's the AI agent from Zoho to make life easier for those who use our products. And I don't know if I have to explain what is AI because I think we have all been doing and using and going to generative AI itself in the last one, one year, one and a half years. We have seen quite a lot of things. So I'm not going to tell more about what AI can do, but maybe, yeah, that's about Zia. Awesome. So basically, it's your own version of Jarvis to Iron Man. Yeah. So we, that's our own version of how we envision AI to influence the lives of those who do work. I put that mm. as one way of putting it. Okay. So in my previous episode, I've spoken with likes of people from Salesforce, from other companies. And of course, for each of their organization, they do have different infusion of AI into their products. And it's, of course, very specific to what their product is able to do. What I do learn about Zoho, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Zoho actually has quite a very wide breadth of coverage. There's a CRM aspect, there's a recruitment aspect, etc. And I personally was a user. In fact, I'm still a user of Zoho. I use your email calendar function as well. I just want to understand in terms of coverage, just give listeners a sense, especially for people who may not be familiar with Zoho before we get into the deep end of the pool on other topics. What exactly is that breadth of coverage? Right, okay. We are not... 27 plus years old company now and over the last 15 to 18 years we have built out a suite of cloud software solutions that facilitate 
work to get done for businesses. Uh, work in terms of you name it, right? So, for example, whether you is managing customer experience, well, we have products that cover that entire suite of activities that involve customer experience, be it customer experience, be it employee collaboration, employee communication, communication with various stakeholders, be it external or internal. And we have tools to help HR teams, marketing teams, and a whole suite of problems that we can solve with various products that we have. So we are basically a cloud tech company who like to do things slightly different from what you see out there. But we are one software suite that can help you run your entire business. That's how I'd like to put ourselves as. Uh, okay, cool. So you've been in this field for close to 20 over years. And I'll be and we've gone through so many phases, right? Over the past two decades, you have the mobile phase, you have the UX phase, you have the X employee user experience phase, so many of them. If I have to ask you to rank where AI stands in terms of impacting or create that maximum impact for not just Zoho, for all the businesses that may be able to leverage AI, where do you think it stands? Well, today we are seeing AI in its evolutionary phase. AI, probably in the consumer world, we would have seen AI in action with social media tools that we have used in the last 10, 12, 15 years. We would have surely used AI in various forms. We have used AI in as a consumer, as a user, you may have not directly known that AI is even being used, but AI would have been used. For example, in our own T operations, where the technical side of things happen, where we run our servers or data centers, we use AI to keep, say, keep out attacks, keep out, identify problems in our networks, in our servers, identify malware, bot, bots, etc. So we use AI already at the back end, right? At the background, where it is not visible to an actual user. Now, if you look at where AI is in different customer-facing aspects or people-facing aspects, not just, not just customer, but people-facing. I use the word people because if you look at a work life, right? So as a company, you do work for two major audiences. One is you do work for satisfying your customers, obviously, right? And as a business, there is work done to help your employees support those customers. And today, AI is influencing both, right? So for example, as a customer-facing role, if you have, if you're in a customer-facing role, you may have you would have observed that there's a lot of digitalization already in progress or a lot of digitization of data has already been done. Just for example, uh, when customer, you put advertisements you to attract customers, people come to your website. There's a lot of data actually getting generated there, right? And unlike in the past, a lot of it is already digitized. And now you have lot of information, not just from those kind of clickstream or web analytics data, but you may also have other interesting data coming in from various endpoints within your business organization. Now, with all this data, the next obvious thing is how do I process all this data and how do I process this data smartly? How do I process this data more often? And when you say more often, smartly, 
that's where when AI actually plays an important role. So there, if you see AI plays an important role in terms of making sure that you are able to meet the expectations of your customers effectively. Now, the second and the most impacting, at least from a perception perspective is, as an employee of an organization, how can I do my work? How can I sleep a few more hours extra at work, right? And still get the same amount of work done, right? That's what it's about, right? How can I get more efficient at my work, right? And that's the thing about how AI at work that influences an individual's life itself comes into play. And that's again another very interesting thing, especially with generative AI as we have seen, how, it's, how it can transform the productivity of an individual, be it in a personal perspective or from a work-life perspective. It's about how I can get more work done effectively and with accuracy. Now, that's going to be a very interesting thing. So, we have seen how AI can influence both customer-facing activities as well as work-lives of actual employees in an organization. Could you break it down for us? I'll be interested to learn about an example, maybe a personal example of yours. What is your favorite use case, your personal favorite use case of AI right now that really help you to do things in a much faster manner, more efficient manner, things that probably may not be possible five, 10 years ago? Well, when you look at, okay, so I'm sure this question would have had different answers over the last five years or 10 years, I would say. Of course, we have, we had, we do have some form of AI in various parts of our organization, various roles we do. Maybe initially, as I hinted on, we've used AI for simple things like, for example, scanning receipts, right? OCR scanning yeah. and getting those data. Those are actually boring things to do, right? Taking, filling up your expenses, right? In the organization, right? Those are some of the things which we have done already. Well, that's just the beginning. While... A lot of other things like when you are also involved in IT operations, it's also about keeping the bad guys out, wherein you need to know if there are any uh, improper activity happening in our data centers. So those that mm. exposes you to, that's again a very important part of where AI is actually being used. Now, coming more towards the last one year, I would say, yeah, generative AI or with chat GPT has been a game changer. It's probably changed the way how we perceive AI or perceive technology itself, right? I would say technology has become human now, right? It's almost getting to that stage. And that is a very important thing. Well, if you ask me as of today or maybe last few weeks, most interesting thing, at least on my MacBook, I can see is you open preview and you can copy paste some text out of that image. That's what I've seen as very interesting, right? So that's the latest of what I do from a direct perspective on my on a personal basis. And on that note, I also have the opportunity to speak with many people. And of course, I'm personally is a huge user of many of these AI tools, primarily ChatGPT. I use this different LLMs as well. But I think I would still say as a heavy duty users, I'm probably still in a minority. Many people that I speak with primarily in the back office corporate function space, many people are still quite skeptical. Of course, there are also organizations that don't even allow you to interface with such tools. So you have to stealthily take out your handphone whenever you need to do something. What, why do you think personally may be accumulating in the thoughts of all this, for lack of a better word, AI skeptic? Do I call them skeptic? Do I call them resistance? Oh, people who are just so afraid or even giving AI this chance? What do you have to say to them? 
All right. So when you look at AI and GPT technology itself, right, the technology is only as good as the data it has or only as good as the data it has been fed, right? Probably 98 or 95 to 98% of the data out there, I'm answering from a business perspective, okay? So a business user perspective, 98% of the data out there may not be really relevant for your business, right? However, if you see, I studied all that or I'm going to give you results based on all of that. It may not be really customized for you as an organization. So that is where you need to have LLMs that are very relevant for your organization, right? So that is one important way of looking at it. But as an individual, well, if your perspective is much broader and you would like to have an initial I am feeling lucky button, if you still remember that kind of a thing. Today, GPT is actually that button. Okay. It's actually an I am feeling lucky button. Okay. It's an opinion. It's not necessarily 100% right. Okay. So that button, if you recollect in Google, it was there. It's become, it's, that's what it is, just one opinion. But so it's as, a, as an individual, you may not really agree to that one opinion, right? So you have to, I'm not saying generative AI is not good. It is absolutely very useful for getting that draft done initially and then to build upon that. But I don't, at least as of now, I don't think it is in a way wherein it is the best one, best output because you're going to put yourself at a lot of risk by just adopting it blindly. I'm sure that's what everybody would have already recognized by now. So that's my understanding or take about it. And as I mentioned, AI is only as good as what it has consumed, right? So we are assuming that the technology out there has learned everything that we know. So as a business, especially if you are a business which is quite successful business, been there for a long time, there are a lot of business processes and I would say secret sauce that is not really obvious to the world out there and never written about on the out there. And that's only known to you as an organization and it is codified in your organization as a process or as information within your team. So that's something which is not going to be given out by GPT technology. So it's still very much niche to your organization. So that is again the additional value we as humans will put on top of whatever content you get out of generative AI. Which I would imagine people in companies like Coca-Cola or KFC, where they have access to the recipe, you probably don't want such people to interface with the public GPT in any way. Absolutely. And as an organization, it's not only about, it's not about not allowing your employees. It's also about accidents from happening, right? So if you look at generative AI or other technologies in general, at the end of even, you know, whatever we have seen, a lot of issues in social media and social media driven legal issues we have seen in the past. Well, AI models or models would have been created based on private data. And end of the day, it's just a sorry and a fine and you're done with it. But then you as an organization would have leaked information for training those models. And you just pay a $10,000 fine doesn't actually make sense, right? So... You're, you're, we are actually not yet there in terms of how to manage these aspects. So mm. that for that, that those kind of experiences, I would say, keep some businesses from allowing their employees to use generative AI. But interestingly, at Zoho, for us, security and privacy are 
very high on our way of how we look at things. And even as generative AI technology like ChatGPT has given like something like almost like a private mechanism to do learning, we try to bring those technologies contextual to the work of the employee so that errors are lesser by the employee. Right? Nobody wants to make an error on purpose, right? So that is different, right? So even as such technologies are brought contextually with lesser chances of human error, the I would say the trust of businesses on technology and technology companies would increase. So that is how the ecosystem will also evolve over time. So I do recognize, of course, that Zoho is quite a huge company with many people. In fact, I think I read somewhere, and this was some time back, that just software engineers alone, you guys have a thousand over of them. And of course, with that much resources, I guess developing all these safeguards might be much easier for smaller companies that might also be keen to explore generative AI, ChatGPT, etc., but may not have the resources of a company like Zoho. From an expert standpoint, do you have any advice or recommendation for them on how to go about doing so? Yeah, so it depends upon, <clears throat> I, I believe it depends on what your organization is trying to achieve. And for example, if you're looking at of course, we are a technology provider, right? We provide software for businesses. So I'm going to be biased in that aspect, right? In my answer there. But I would say if you look at what we have learned over the last 15, 20 years, it's about how to go digital. We transformed ourselves as a digital organization 15, 20 years ago. Okay. And whatever was needed to go in that model is what we have put into our products. And each of our products are, uh, I would say, checkboxes needed to get to that in that journey, right? So if you look at today's businesses, they can depend on organizations like Zoho for doing quite a lot of things, right? We as a company, we are a 15,000 people strong company. We run on Zoho, right? Exclusively, almost exclusively on Zoho, right? From our emails to chats to online meetings to our CRM to project management to our managing our people to communications to building custom apps, etc. We excuse Zoho's own tools. Well, so as an organization, you can depend on technology providers to help you get a lot of things done so that you have the time and efforts. You can put your efforts on doing what is specific to your domain or specific to your business and grow yourself as an organization. So I would say, look at platform products like Zoho or others out there that can actually help you get that part of your work life solved so that you can focus on what is your core values. So that is one recommendation I would give for those who are trying to adopt technology. And of course, even as technology is evolving, right? So we talked about how businesses may not trust AI or generative AI. That's because of some of the history that we have seen, right? Because a lot of businesses today are advertisement driven. The biggest revenue generator for many organizations is advertisement. Advertisement based on somebody else's data. Well, so that is where looking at for organizations that are having strong privacy, security policies and who do not have an ad driven model is fundamental to make to trust. So we strongly feel those are some basic aspects that can help business to make the right choice in terms of technology. I would like to 
jump over to something that keeps popping out at me ever since I've gone through your profile, which is you've been you've spent over two decades at Zoho, twenty-three years to be specific. And of course, according to LinkedIn, this is technically your second job, but I really see it as a first job because it, it has been it's so long, and it's very interesting because for many people out there, I've seen ninety-nine point nine percent of people. You don't really get someone who stays in a job for so long. And I do appreciate the fact that there are merits to be able to grow organically within an organization. So to sidestep away from AI for a minute, and in fact, it is something that I want to also get back to later on, which is quite related. How do you manage to stay two decades in the same company? What is your secret behind it? All right. So, yeah, that's a very interesting question and a quite a long question. So I would try to be as short as possible in answering it. Well, I would say, see, as an organization, Zoho is a very unique organization, right? I would say it's not the typical organization that you see out there. And it's, it is not the organization that you perceive and see out there either, right? It's a tech company with a lot of values, right? So some of the core values are so good, it actually aligned with what I believe personally. I would say that's probably one of the reasons I found it very interesting. Could you uh, share some of this core value? Maybe one specific one that really sticks out for you? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. I probably I'll answer that towards a little bit later. But if you look at Zoho as an organization, we have actually grown at really great speed. Okay, we have, it's not a one product company. Okay, so it's a company with 50s of products, right? So if you look at the kind of culture that has been brought into the company, uh, well, I may have started off as a software developer at Zoho. Interestingly, I had the opportunity to, I was a developer and the first few products I worked on was actually products solving technical problems, right? So the first time, first job was I was writing the front end for generating code. Right. So I was not, I was coding to generate code. That was my first job. Right. right? So I, I, just that I, it was good that I was in a, such a technical role. And my second activity was building tools to manage technology stacks. Right. So like databases and application servers and servers. So I was always in the technical space for a long time. And as a developer itself, and that automatically helped me to even be the product manager and jump such, not jump basically, grow those products. And as a cultural thing in the organization, we actually own the product end-to-end, -end, right? It's not just about writing code, but it's also owning the code, owning the delivery, owning and ensuring customers are happy and ensuring revenue, right? So we actually own the entire thing end-to-end. -end. That's actually quite motivating. You see your results, you see your failures right in front of you. You can, you can make mistakes. That's a good thing about Zoho as an organization. We do make mistakes, but Sridhar was saying, our managers are still there to fix those mistakes, right? So that's the good thing about Zoho as an organization. So we know we have the experts who made the mistakes to fix the mistakes also. So that's, I would say, some of the unique things that you see at Zoho. And as I alluded to the point already about the number of products that we have, that helped us to be quite diverse and not be very specific to any technology platforms. It kept us highly challenged 
competing with some of the largest companies in the world, right? So many of the largest companies in the world, not just a few, I would say, many of the largest companies in the world helped us as an organization in that journey to fine-tune our strategy, fine-tune the way we work. And those challenges actually kept challenging us every single day, even as of today, I would say. And those are interesting things to solve. And that's how I would say my journey is, yeah, doesn't feel like I've been here for two decades though. So it's really the ability, because the company keeps evolving and there's also new stuff that comes along and that also allow you to write on those opportunity waves to expose yourself to other aspects of the business as you continue to grow even outside of the main country and into other countries that also provide, again, even more opportunities along that way. So is that something that you believe uh, maybe companies that may want to encourage more long-service long award recipient like yourself to focus on? So expand their business, really emphasize on the cultural aspect. Are there, what are some of the learning points companies can pick up from Zoho in order to make them as good as an employer as Zoho? Well, from a, as an employer perspective, I would say, again, Zoho is very unique, right? So in many aspects, there is no long-term employee award. I don't think I've ever got anything of that sort and I don't expect that, right? right? So, Hopefully things may change after they listen to this episode. <laughs> no, it's exactly, I would say, opposite of what the people outside perceive, right? It's, so that's why I would say Zoho is a very unique organization. And it's about how we like to do things, right? So our most decisions in the organization are done keeping long-term perspective in mind, right? And it's not a very short-term or transient thing that how decisions are taken at Zoho. For example, if you look at the fact that we haven't taken funding itself, right? We are, not, we are a private company, right? From day one, and profitable from day one, right? How we execute as an organization and how decisions are made I would say those who stick with Zoho understand the value of it. And that those are kind of fundamental reasons why people stick around at Zoho. They, they actually trust the vision of the CEO, the vision of where the company is moving forward. And even in the 25th year, our thought was, hey, what's our plan for the next 50 years? We may not be even around here, but as an organization, we are always looking at how we are going to or what we are going to do the long term. And when you look at long term perspective in mind, you tend to do a lot of things right. And that will show up because most business cycles or a lot of results, whether good or bad, you would see in five to seven years. And if you exceed those timelines, you will identify that taking a long term view was a better thing than looking for a short term exit or a short term or a three year or five year or a seven year timelines. So that's what I would say from a, even from an employer perspective, if I look at how Zoho executes. So I would imagine for listeners who may be job seeking right now, trying to look at companies to pick and to select to join, knowing that the company actually has a really long-term view would be very important. And it's not just, oh, we want to cash out by next year, the year after we want to get sold, we want to go IPO. Because a long-term vision, obviously, the longevity of it would also have a material impact for the employee who joins the company. On, on that basis, if you have to give advice to someone who is still in the job market, shopping around, any other things that this person may, be, may want to take note of when they are deciding which company to join? Yeah, so if you look at as a job seeker, 
you need to first identify why are you looking for another job, right? So that's going to decide the answer to this question. But let's look at the ideal scenario. You need to change your job because of whatever reasons in, within your, with your current job or you just lost your job. Typically, based on where you are in your career path, you may want to uh, stick around and do what is important for yourself long term. Right? So in that sense, you have to pick the organization that stays relevant across maybe generations, if possible. Right? Generation is what, 5 to 10 years? If, you, if organizations can stay relevant long term, those are the organizations that are your best fit. Because that's going to make sure that your career, you are going to grow in your own career. And that's when even other organi the organizations that you join can also meet your career ambitions and your expectations with your job life. Right? So I feel that's an important aspect when you pick up your next job. And that's the way I would like to look at this. Would the selection criteria also hinges on the kind of industry as well, because Zoho obviously is in the tech industry and very much the wave of AI definitely has helped many tech companies, including Zoho. For industries picking wise, would the tech space be something that you would be, you personally would put your money on? Okay, as a job seeker, it also depends upon your talent, I would say. It is not that you blindly switch to tech industry. Every industry, okay, so this is a very contextual question, right? It's based on where you are, which country you are from, what, what is the biggest industries in the country you work from or your, where you can work. It all depends on a lot of such factors because just switching to tech industry blindly may not be the right thing. Right now, it is, I would say, I agree that it is super heated. There's a lot of noise around tech and we have just seen how tech can do magic, literally right, with chat GPT and others, right? So now it's actually at the peak of expectations or, so that's, that is, I would say that will taper down over time, but you need to look at what you will be happy doing. I would say as a, wherever you are putting, right, if you are putting your full effort, whatever job you do, even if you work in a restaurant and you, the way you do your work shows, you will be rewarded for it long term. Or eventually, that's what I feel. Or you will get good ideas. So keep your eyes and ears open. I would mm -hmm. say, do the work that you love to do, right? Not because you're getting paid to do. I would say that is more important than whatever industry or whatever specific vertical you want to look at for. That's why, that's how I look at things. But of course, I would also have to balance on some other things. Like some people like to switch to a tech industry. I would say every industry has tech in it or every vertical has tech in it. Today, car companies are not manufacturing companies. They are probably software tech companies. Right? If you look at the kind of acquisitions some of the largest car companies have done or invested in, you would see they are not necessarily just manufacturing or automobile companies. They are now become tech companies. Even the coolest company today in that industry is more proud about their tech and software capabilities. So it is not about switching to a software or a, a software or tech provider alone that makes sense, but it's also about being in industries that are adopting tech faster and playing along and making use of your existing knowledge, your domain knowledge, and making sure that is applied contextually, consuming and using this technology. That is the right place to be in because 
that's where you are also going to be happy because you have already spent a lot of time in that industry and it's going mm. to be more complementary to your existing knowledge. So I think those that's the way how I would like to comment. Knowing your key strength as well as your interest and lean into it as much as possible. It's like Michael Jordan good in basketball but sucks in baseball and then came back to basketball because basketball is still where he is better in. Yes. Now, I think we both agree where AI is heading towards and it's going to be in every single aspect of our life right now. And there are of course, a lot more things that AI possibly could do. We are still seeing the different use cases being popped up on a regular basis. From your personal perspective and knowing how quickly this space would evolve, what are some of the upcoming or things that you believe could happen that is most exciting to you? What does AI look like to you? Say, I want to say 10 years, but 10 years is way too long for AI. Maybe <laughs> one year. Two years down the road. Yeah, so I would say, let's say, for example, customer experience. I talked about two spe specific aspects. Customers, when software or technology is used for serving customers or when technology is used for helping your employees, right? So when you look at when customers are being helped with, as you as an organization, helping your customers, uh, it's about doing whatever you have been doing currently in a better way. Sometimes we may not realize that also is very important. For example, if you send an email to uh, your bank asking for some clarification, you may have some expectation that you will get results, you may get responses through email in next three business days. If as a business, right, if they are able to reduce that three business days to an hour or a few hours without investing too much on resources to get that done, that helps solve a lot of things. It improves customer experience. Well, how can that happen? Let's say you have a ticketing system, right? So for example, we have Zoho Desk, which is a ticketing system that can be used by organizations for supporting customers. Well, as a technician, when you get tens of emails from your customers, you may have to respond to them quickly. And you have a long email thread that you have to respond to. Well, you can use AI, generative AI, for example, our integration with ChatGPT or OpenAI's ChatGPT, you can get a quick summary of that huge email. Maybe it is many threads, right? You can get a quick summary of it and you get, make sure that you have not missed some important points and you can quickly draft an email and respond quickly. Well, in this particular aspect, getting a quick summary is one thing that AI can help you with. Even drafting that first response based on your internal K-based articles could also be something that AI can help you with. So that is one way how existing people could, technicians could make their own jobs more productive. They can respond faster. And practically what happens is on the ground, organizations will be able to deliver better customer experience with this technology. Though it doesn't really look so fancy from the outside perspective, but customer experience is even about Reducing that time to get that response, right? From three days to three hours or a few hours or even a few minutes with chatbots. Well, you can even get, you can even keep conversations ongoing right from your website to your customer service through bots, through actual humans whom you talk to. All this is actually possible given that AI and technology are actually already there. It's for you to just implement in your business the right way. 
taking the right amount of technology. I'm not saying boil the ocean here, but picking exactly that is needed to just solve those one or two or three or five KPIs, maybe improving one such thing every quarter. Taking one step at a time is going to make the biggest impact for a business itself. And as individuals, I would say, yeah, we are going to see, today, generative AI is a little bit still not there. Now we are even hearing about uh, other advanced versions of it. I'm sure we are all going to see our own, what do you say, personalized generative AI assistant, right? We are going to want to have uh, generative AI that knows us or me as an individual and responds accordingly, right? I don't want somebody else's opinion. I want it. I wanted my opinion to be answered the way I would have done it, right? But faster. So that is where probably generative AI <clears throat> is going to go. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. So that's where generative AI is actually going to go. Of course, with many people who have been on the customer end, they definitely would know how painful it is to deal with the customer service for banks or telecommunication company. You'll be on on hold for 10, 20 minutes. So having able to sidestep that and to speed things up definitely makes sense. Now, the other thing that would also be quite apparent to many people is how AI may impact the number of jobs out there. In fact, when, since we are talking about customer service, I was doing research and I came across this company, which was based in India, if I'm not wrong. They actually coded up a customer service bot. And be, with that, deployed, they immediately lay off 90% of their workforce within the customer service department. So in a way, I guess it is like fire, right? Fire can be a tool for you to cook your food. It can also burn down your house. And for on that basis, how should one be mindful about navigating their work when it comes to the fact that would AI ultimately even take away my job to begin with? Should I even spend so much time on AI only for it to ultimately displace me? Right. All right. So here there is, actually there are three stakeholders. I would say there are three entities or three stakeholders here. One is you as an employee working for your organization. And then there is your competitor also out there. That's a third angle I would look at. Well, these, one important thing to keep in mind is as an organization, if you do not adopt technology, Right? Your computer is going to take that job from you. They are going to be more efficient. They are going to take it away from you. But from my perspective, when you look at AI itself, right, the industry itself is, my, my gut feel says that as a net, the industry will need a lot more people. For example, you gave an example of fire. But let's look at AI as a powered tool. right? So for example, in the past, we used to use manual screwdrivers to tighten the screws. Now, if you look at the smart guys who come in, they come with power tools, right? They are able to put in 50s of screws in like less than 50 minutes, right? So they are able to do that. Well, in the past, your designs were having fewer screws. If you look at your furniture, they didn't have 50 screws because it's too much, right? But now you are able to have designs with a lot, number, lot of screws there. Right. What that means is your designs have become a lot more complex, a lot more flexible. With more power or with more power tools, you are able to deliver a lot more flexibility, better stuff actually. So what I feel is, yeah, you may see or perceive that 
some jobs have lost, but what's actually going to happen is you're going to see people solving problems faster and the kind of digitalization and transformation that is pending in the industry. I strongly feel that it's a matter of, I'm sure we still don't have enough people to finish the job because what the future can do, right? Or what an ideal future could be doing is so much more transformative than what we see in the short term. So if you look at it as a long-term perspective, we will need a lot of people for doing all of this. It's not going to eat away all the jobs. It's just actually going to transform what you do. Definitely, the way you work is going to change, right? That is sure because, hey, the first draft maybe of an interview response, I may actually get it through generative AI, right? Or I used to chat GPT or something I could do. But uh, you may actually, it may change the way you work. But I feel overall, humans are still going to play a very important role in how technology will be used to innovate. Because it's not actually, it is better to understand what your customers wanted, adopt technology in the path and make yourself more competitive is the right way to do it rather than laying off people. So at Zoho itself, our CEO has made that statement already that we are not going to be laying off people like what we see in the tech industry. That's a bold statement he's already made quite along and we haven't done that in our history either. So I believe he's, he's, he knows what he's saying. So that's how I would say we look and even I personally feel it makes a lot of sense of how technology is actually going to get adopted more in hmm. organizations. I think throughout history of work, we have also seen how we tend to overestimate certain things that would impact our work that may kill off industry. The Ladakhs, of course, is a good example, but those are so far away. The more recent one, when we talk about the invention of email to replace fax machine, the invention of intranet, internet to replace something. And of course, we, we had some economics events say, oh, in the future, we only have to work 12 hours a week. No, we are still working 40 hours a week. Just like you said, there will always be more things to fill up the gaps. And with that, having AI as the new tool of the month or of the year of or the century, we would obviously have more gaps. But then, well, I guess it's just typical human beings, right? We will just find more stuff to fill in those gaps. So instead of installing one cupboard with your manual screwdriver, you now have to install maybe 10 cupboards with your power tool, but still, it is still the same amount of hours. Everyone still would have jobs. And in fact, maybe the business would also have expanded because the business, instead of just selling one cupboard, I'm able to sell 10. So good for everyone across the board. And I hope this conversation also gave everyone, and especially our listeners, a better sense of the where AI is within the current situation and also where AI would be going. And I hope with that, people could also start to just spend a bit more time understanding how it would affect them in their world. And I guess the short of the short of it is at least get yourself exposed to it. I think that would be a good start for everyone to get a better sense of what all this is about. And with that, Dribble, thank you so much for coming onto the show to help us understand more about what Zoho is doing, your personal opinions on some of the things that AI is happening around and also some of the things that our listeners can be able to take away from you given the longevity of your career and apply it onto their own. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Adrian.